0: Let's look to the Lord again, please. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for that challenge to understand that um, nothing is hidden from you. And I pray, Father, that as we um, continue to grow in you, if we are your followers, that we will be reminded afresh and anew that uh, we are accountable for our lives. And we do thank you for the life in Christ. I pray, Lord, that as we continue to look at this very short letter to a man named Philemon, that you will encourage us in our faith, that you'll help us to apply these things to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you don't quite hear it in my voice, I do have a little bit of a funk going on. Uh, I've had it all week. and. I'm just trying to save my voice a little bit, but if I crack, I, I won't pass out or anything. I'll be fine, but I just might need to give me a pause here. But As we just begin, uh, last week we had a full introduction into Paul's letter to Philemon. And just to give us a brief background, I know a number of you, for various reasons, maybe would not have been here last week. So Paul greeted several people, Philemon, his wife, Apphia, and their son Archippus in this letter. Archippus was probably the pastor. Paul also greeted the church that met in their home. We primarily highlighted the main characters of Philemon and Onesimus, and we'll review some of what we discussed last week in order to lay a foundation for today's message. But our main focus will be considering the practical realities of Paul's purpose for writing this letter to Philemon. So as we have already introduced that, the first thing we want to talk about is the fact that we have uh, Onesimus, a a wayward servant. As I mentioned uh, last time, Onesimus is one of the main characters, and said that already today. We established that he had run away from Philemon, his master, who lived in Colossae and managed to travel all the way to Rome. He was Philemon's slave. He was his servant. This is, again, back in ancient times. Things were a little bit different than what we might picture our, our uh, more recent slavery um, uh, history in our country, but but it was, it was very much ingrained in the culture. And so here again, we have him going from Colossae to Rome. And so just as a reminder, he could have gone from the red dot you see there over to Rome via the Roman roads, or he could have taken a much quicker track, which we think that he probably did. And took one of the sea routes or some combination thereof. But at some point, he met up with Paul, who was in prison in Rome. Paul had been spreading the gospel. He had been telling people about Jesus Christ. And there was a given point where the Roman government uh, would not tolerate that. Uh, He had troubles through different cities that he was in. Because uh, he was offending those who were uh, worshiping the gods. And so he was put into prison. Um, we aren't given any information about how Onesimus met up with Paul in Rome, but we know that the Lord used all of this to give a runaway slave freedom in Christ. We see in Philemon, Philemon ten, uh, I appeal to you for my brother, for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains. Now, this is a very intimate thing that Paul says here you know he he considers him a spiritual son S- someone someone that he actually uh, you know begot and gave birth to so to speak not that he saved him but god gave him the privilege of of letting onesimus know who jesus is and it was while he was in prison so here you have uh, r- roughly 1200 1300 miles distance between where onesimus started and where he ended you have paul who has a connection back to Colossae, this ancient city and the people that lived there and now you have him connecting with onesimus and giving testimony of that now again we don't know how long onesimus spent with paul but it was long enough for him to show some stability in his spiritual walk with christ here we see that he received christ but then in, in, uh, back in Colossians 4 and 9, it says, With Onesimus, meaning that's one of the people that he's with, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. right? He's, he's from Colossae. And so we see these connections between these two letters uh, that we have. And we'll talk more about that in just a moment. So this is our wayward servant, our, our slave that took off. And now we need to talk about and, and be reminded of an offended master. We talked about Philemon last week as well, um, Philemon 18. And, and by the way, those aren't chapters, obviously. We're talking about a very short letter here. But it says, if, but if Onesimus has wronged you or owes anything, put that on my account. Now, we're going to talk more about Paul next week. But right now, we see that there, there's a conflict here. Not only did Onesimus leave, but he did something against Philemon. And and we, again, talked about that in great detail last week. So we're not going to go into that detail today. But we also noted that he was a faithful man. Look at what it says here about uh, Philemon, what Paul writes as he's writing this very personal letter to Philemon. He says this, hearing of your love, that is Philemon's love and faith, which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Okay, so we're going to talk more about this part of it. But Philemon had a faith and a love that resulted in good works. These good works made a meaningful difference in the lives of those in the church. And that's the way it should be, right? Right. When God has changed us, when he's made us into a new creation, the scriptures tell us, that should be reflective in how we treat others, really both inside and outside of the church, but particularly to brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul particularly said that Philemon's ministry was a refreshment to those around him. We know uh, from our study in Colossians that Paul was concerned about how this group of new believers... These believers in Colossae would fare, especially hearing about the false teaching in the region that threatened them, all right? That was was why Paul wrote to the church what we call the letter to the Colossians. But when Paul and his companions heard from Epaphras how Philemon loved others, Paul mentioned that it brought them great joy and peace of mind, which is what you kind of see highlighted there in the blue. So here's this concern that Paul has. Epaphras was led to the Lord by Paul, probably in in the city of Ephesus, which was a little ways west. He goes back and he reaches a region for Jesus Christ. He tells others about the good news of Jesus and he starts three churches, one of them being the church in Colossae. And so now Epaphras is telling him, hey, there's this guy Philemon. I mean, the church is great. I mean, they love each other and and they're they're doing a, a wonderful work. But there's this guy Philemon, the church is in his house, and he's, he's a super guy. I mean, that's you know, Scott's version of that, okay? So that's, that's what he's sharing. So let's go back to Philemon's ministry to others and kind of flesh that out a little bit. What do we need refreshment from? The general answer is the world. But for every person, there are specifics, things like relationships, issues on the job, our health, the health of someone else, struggles with sin, concerns for our children or our parents or other responsibilities that we have, even living for Christ in a world that is against us can take its toll. And so any number of things like this can be those struggles that we have, those burdens that we have. When the church met in Philemon's home, it resembled a spiritual clinic for fellow Christians where bumps and bruises were cared for, where wounds were set, and the weary were given encouragement to energize them to keep on. Isn't that what we want our church to be about? Now, I want to pause for a moment and clearly state that we have a church that actively serves one another. But at the same time, we are to maintain and grow in our ministry for one another. And that's really part of why Paul was writing to the Colossians. He was commending them, but he's also saying, you know, keep it up, right? And, And expand that as best as we can together. So that's a picture of Philemon. So then what I want us to do is look at an awkward reunion. Have you ever been in a situation where you're kind of just living life, and then you saw that person from across the room, and in an instant, the whole situation changed? You may have been out shopping or at some gathering, like a graduation party or a wedding or something like that. Uh, Maybe they offended you or disappointed you or hurt you in some way, and you see them, and it's like, oh, right? Regardless of the situation, there they are. You can't change that. You're face-to-face with them. Now, young people, and I don't know if this is just for young people, but this is who I heard it from. They have a saying for this. Awkward, right? I've heard that sometimes from them. And Again, like I say, maybe it's been a little while, but for me, I inevitably would cross paths with people who, for whatever reason, just various reasons, would have left a church that I was pastoring in. Awkward, right? So, how are those cantaloupes today? You know what I mean? As you, you don't know really what to say or do. I was actually standing at an overlook one time in the Smoky Mountains while on vacation, and a man got out of his car six spots away from us who had offended me greatly multiple times. Awkward. Awkward. <laughs> Now we need to paint the scene of this very intentional meeting between Onesimus and Philemon. Verse 12 says, I am sending Onesimus back, you therefore receive him, that is, my own heart. Now again, we'll talk about Paul a little bit more next week. We can only cover so much in a given week. So this was very intentional, this meeting. A very intentional meeting. Did I get that point across? Okay, all right. So let's look at what is part of this. Who delivered the letters to the church in Colossae and to Philemon? Tychicus and Onesimus. Th- th- this guy that Paul said was now a believer and, and a part of the ministry and, and, and a fine man, Right? Who were the letters delivered to? Well, we're told. To the Colossian church and to Philemon personally. Now there's some others listed, but there we have it. Where did the church gather and where did Philemon live? At Philemon's home. How did Onesimus and Philemon meet again? Onesimus handed, hand-delivered an appeal letter on his behalf from Paul to Philemon at Philemon's home. That might have been awkward, right? We just gave you a brief reminder of what Onesimus did and where he was from and all that. And then we have Philemon and the fact that He lost his slave, right? So let's put ourselves in Onesimus' sandals first, right? Paul looks at you one day and says, the right thing for you to do is to return to Philemon as a slave. That alone is like, okay. Now maybe he already had come to that conclusion. We don't know. But there was a point when paul was going to send him back paul tasks you to deliver a letter to the colossian church and a <coughs> excuse me personal letter to philemon written on your behalf you're carrying this with you you have hundreds of miles of travel to think about the meeting you will have with your former master fully aware aware the entire time that you have done him wrong by leaving legally you are a piece of property that simply up and left. In addition, you know that Philemon knows that you ripped him off. So, not, not only did you take off, but you took something else with you that wasn't yours, it was his. You walk up to the home of your owner after running away. You knock on the door with no idea how Philemon will react. When you meet Philemon, you hand him Paul's letter that you know has been written to ask your master to take you back. Awkward, right? Now let's slip on Philemon's sandals. The slave who took off, who knows how long ago, who knows how long ago that was, is standing in front of you at your home. The disappointment, the financial harm on top of being stolen from, and the frustration of lost productivity all come rushing back into your mind. You find out that he is one of two men specifically commissioned by Paul to deliver two letters that Paul wrote. He then stands, I'm sorry, hands you a letter from Paul, and you read how Paul asks you, To take him back. That's awkward. This is a difficult situation. But we have a changed relationship that we need to explore as well. Onesimus' salvation is the basis for Paul's appeal. He would have had no other reason to write a letter to Philemon like this, unless Onesimus' life had changed and had changed dramatically. Now, again, we'll have more to consider next week about Paul, but this week we're going to learn about his appeal. Let's look at um, Philemon, uh, verses 10 through 17. Philemon, verses 10 through 17. Let me just read those verses for you. It says, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. I am sending him back. You therefore receive him, that is, my own heart, whom I wished to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing, that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, as a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. Now again, there's some very personal things in here that have to do with Paul. We're going to set those aside right now and just continue looking at this really awkward time in the relationship between Onesimus, the, the, the um, uh, fugitive slave, and his owner, not former owner, but owner now, Onesimus. So again, we see here Onesimus is now a believer. And in a way, everything about their relationship changed right? he He's a changed person. He's different now. But in, in another way, the relationship stayed the same. Philemon was still the master and Onesimus was still the slave. In verse 11, Paul says that Onesimus was now profitable or useful. By the way, um, this is not by chance. Onesimus' name means profitable. Isn't that neat? Just how God tucks that in there for us. Paul knew this. Paul knew that there was a change. Paul had been able to observe this. But this was not Philemon's experience. Philemon had nothing to fall on, but just what he had already experienced with this slave. And it wasn't good. Verse 12, Paul then says he is sending Onesimus back to Philemon. Paul is sending him, but Onesimus must have been willing to return to his master, right? He was 1,200 miles away from his legal owner. He could remain where he was or go wherever he wanted. And Paul really couldn't do anything about it. Paul was in prison himself. So the fact that Onesimus returned indicates a huge change in his heart. So how would Paul know that Onesimus would, be, would now be a beneficial servant? First, Paul witnessed Onesimus' change of life firsthand. And second, Paul would have already instructed Onesimus in what he wrote to the church. <clears throat> so as he is sending this slave back, and now he's writing to Philemon, he's saying, receive him back let's remind ourselves about what Paul wrote to the Colossian church in chapter 3, beginning in verse 22. Slaves, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. Onesimus would have already heard this. Onesimus was carrying this letter. Not with eye service as men pleasers. Okay? Okay? Let me just pause for a minute. Obey in all things. Obey not with thy service as men pleasers. Obey in sincerity of heart. Obey your masters fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you receive the reward of the inheritance. For you serve the Lord. You serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. God doesn't play favorites. So this is one of the messages that Onesimus is carrying back. I mean, that's pretty wild, isn't it? So let's look at another passage in Philemon. Let's just remind ourselves of something we've already read. Says here, it may be that he was separated. Onesimus is separated from you, Philemon, for an hour. For this very reason, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but as something better, a dearly beloved brother, especially dear to me, and how much more so to you, not only as your fellow man, but as your fellow Christian. If then you count me your friend, receive him as you would me. So Paul sent Onesimus back because of his faith. Because of his faith, we already established that. And then in verses 15 and 16, if you if you can kind of follow along, you have your finger there in Philemon, Paul's words in 15 tell us that even he didn't know exactly how or why everything happened. He uses the word perhaps. So there is no believer that's all knowing. We can we can, you know, take inference on different things, but even Paul was saying You know, I don't know exactly how this happened. I don't know why all this happened. But is there the possibility that he was removed from you for a while so that he would hear about Christ? Now, we look at that and say, well, of course. But the point is this. Paul didn't know why all this happened. Not for certain. All for the purpose of eventually Onesimus going back to his master. Paul then said that Philemon wasn't supposed to receive Onesimus as a slave, but a brother instead. He emphasizes that they should share in both a common, fleshly brotherhood and a spiritual brotherhood in the Lord. And and I really like that because it wasn't just a spiritual thing. There was actually like a societal, cultural thing where it's like what he said in a previous passage that we read. There's neither slave nor free. Now, it didn't change Onesimus' classification. It didn't change his station in life. But it was the outlook that we should have to the person. Right. So even when we're talking about the body of Christ here, who does what or doesn't do this or isn't able to do that or is able to do this doesn't determine how we view that person, how we v- place value upon that person. And that's something very practical that we carry over. So what was Paul actually communicating? We see this a little bit better in Philemon 20 and 21. Yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. Okay, so here's Paul saying, you know, I, I really want you to encourage me through this. Again, that's that personal side of it. But look at what he says. Having confidence in your and Philemon's obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. So, Paul was pleading with Philemon to accept Onesimus back. He encouraged Philemon to obey what he said, and Paul was confident Philemon would listen to him because of his reputation. Let's go back. Paul knew about the character of the church. But Paul also knew about the character of Philemon himself because of that man, Epaphras. Letting him know, hey, this is what these people are all about. And this is what they're doing. And this is where their faith is. Their their faith in receiving Christ as their Savior and their faith in how they practice it. How they actually daily trust in the Lord. So Paul actually said more about how to respond in his letter to the church than he did in his personal letter to Philemon. Paul never said, forgive all of his debts. He didn't order Philemon to set Onesimus free. He didn't order Philemon, uh, he actually commanded him to do nothing, but pleads for mercy and grace. I mean, that's how we would describe it. And Paul was confident that Philemon would respond in a way that would actually go beyond Paul's expectations. Wow. Now again, we're going to talk more about Paul next week. But just as a hint, this is not manipulation. Paul is not manipulating Philemon. Paul is writing from his heart. This is something that he truly believes based on who he knows Philemon to be. So we're going to make some application here. First off, do you remember when you were in school or are in school? Do you remember fire drills, right? We were instructed on why uh, all the instructions were given. We were instructed on why all the instructions that we were given were important, right? Uh, Stop, drop, and roll in case you're on fire. That's very handy, okay? Uh, Probably not the one that will necessarily apply today, but that's one of the things that we were taught. Be quiet, Because in a fire, rescuers may need to hear voices from someone who's in trouble, right? So when the alarm went off and you got up and you were going to go out, you were to be quiet. Also, walk out in an orderly fashion so nobody gets hurt. It's not time to panic. It's time to just get yourself out the door and stay together. Because teachers can then count to see if someone is missing. Now, that's all well and good for a fire drill. But they did the fire drills so that if, the, if, if something unthinkable were to happen, that there was actually a fire that would break out in the school, we knew how to respond. Well, that's what God's word is for us. But here's the thing. Philemon's letter is not a drill. It is a real-life situation where the principles that Paul wrote needed to be applied in real time. So let's think about this from Colossians 1. I know there's a lot up there, but just work with me. Since the day we heard of your faith in the gospel, we do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be... We're going to stop right there for a moment. This is Paul and those who are writing to the Colossians telling them... Since we've heard of your faith, we're praying that these things are accomplished in your life. Now, we've covered these things. We're not covering them today. We're applying them today. And we're applying them specifically to Philemon. We've set up this very awkward reunion that they've had. Right? Hey, yeah, remember me? Mr. Slave that stole from you? Here, here's a letter. Read it, please. Right? Here's Philemon, opens up the door. You know what I'm saying? Awkward. Paul says, I'm praying for you believers. I'm praying for you Philemon. To be filled with the knowledge of God's will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Did Philemon need spiritual understanding at this point? that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him. Who would Philemon want to please at this point? Who would he be tempted to please? Himself. Being fruitful in every good work. Wow. And increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power. How was Philemon going to handle the situation? In his own strength? Remember, Onesimus has the story. Onesimus knows what's going on. Onesimus has taken this long journey. He knocks on the door. Bam! Philemon is face-to-face with someone who has highly offended him. And again, societally, a piece of property. I'm not saying that's how Philemon felt about him. I'm saying legally, that's what he was. For all patience and long suffering with joy, <laughs> folks. If this isn't applying the word of God, I don't know what is. Giving thanks to the Father. Who qualified us, all of us in Christ, to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Wow. So Paul prayed for what he desired to see in the Colossians. Does this passage have any bearing on how Philemon would respond to Onesimus? Of course it does. Philemon would need to live uh, live these out if he was going to restore Onesimus and properly treat him as a brother. Now, how was Philemon instructed to actually accomplish this? Well, we can actually apply Colossians chapter 3 verses 12 through 15. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, Even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Now, let me just personalize this a little bit. All right, haven't really changed anything in Scripture, but let me personalize this passage and read it for you again. Therefore, Philemon, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies... Kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering toward Onesimus. Toward your runaway slave. Bearing with Onesimus and forgiving Onesimus. If Philemon has a complaint against Onesimus, even as Christ forgave Philemon, so Philemon also must forgive Onesimus. But above all these things, Philemon, put on love which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in Philemon and Onesimus' hearts, to which you both were called in one body, and be thankful. Wow. So, a few questions. How hard would it be to do, to do this after someone deceived you? They stole from you. They, they took off. How hard would it be to do this after someone, again, took your possessions. How hard would it be to restore that person? How hard would it be to worship with that person? And by the way, in Philemon's case, in your home. He was going to be restored to his home, then he was going to worship him with him in his own home. How hard would it be to move beyond all That in the love of Christ and live like it never happened. You see, this is no longer reading Colossians 3 for our devotions or even listening to a challenging sermon on Colossians 3. This is real life, real time person to person application of God's word right here in the scriptures these two letters sent together oh and by the way based upon what this letter says everyone else in the church knows your business right that's what it says the letter was written to the church as well so big question Did Philemon pass the test? Did he obey Paul's teaching? Was he a man who had faith in the Lord and his word and responded faithfully, living it out? We don't know. Nothing is written about Philemon's response. But how do you think Philemon responded? We can have fun speculating. We can look at the situation and say, and go to the the nth degree and say, you know, Philemon was just overjoyed that Onesimus was now a follower of Jesus. And he said, you know what? You're, you're no longer my slave. You know, we're going to work something out here. And by the way, all those debts and everything else, all the things that you did against me um, th- that were noted by Paul, by the way, okay, meaning that somebody had to have told him, whether it was Onesimus or Epaphras or somebody kind of explained the situation, right? And he says, not... I'm just going to release you of all of that. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's really a good Christian movie, right? Because everything in the end ends up like way better than sometimes life even <laughs> would allow, right? But what if he said, I forgive you. We're going to work out a situation to where you're going to work off your debt, right? But I do forgive you, and I'm so happy that you are a child of God now, and, and I don't have anything against you. Would 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 Philemon be wrong in having him take care of the 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 um, debt that he owed him? Well, he wouldn't be. You see what I mean? There, there's a spectrum here where it really comes down to the heart of the person before God, and it also comes down to the heart of the instructions from Paul because Paul doesn't say to necessarily do anything specific besides receive him back. But he does say in principle, receive him back in a way that you understand as a believer. So we don't know how Philemon responded. But for our purposes, it really doesn't matter because the question for us is how will I personally respond to God's word? How will I respond when that person tries my patience again? How will I respond when I need to forgive? How will I apply spiritual wisdom and understanding to my parenting? Will I let the peace of God rule in my heart in my marriage? Will I continually put on love even when I'd rather put on some form of selfishness, right? So we're supposed to put on love. We're supposed to put on Christ. And instead, we want to kind of slip into something a little more like anger, resentment, revenge, standoffishness. No, no, we're we're supposed to put those things off and put on love. In Philemon's case and in our case, all of this matters. It matters as to whether or not we will put on selfishness or we will put on love and we will treat someone humbly. It is significant to our spiritual lives, to the life of the other believer, and according to what Paul really has written, it matters how we respond to the life of the church. Do you get that? It matters how we respond. Even when we've been highly offended, it matters how we respond to the life of the church. All of us have had moments and will have moments like Philemon faced with Onesimus. Something like it. So the last question I have for you as we close is this. When life gets real, possibly challenging, awkward, right? Or maybe even plain old ugly. Will I treat others like Jesus treated Let's pray. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the principles that we have learned over many months. And we just touched on, we just reviewed them a bit in your letter to the Colossians. But Lord, I think it's very obvious to us today that Philemon's letter is is as a real-time test and application of Philemon putting his faith into practice. We, we could look at things from Onesimus' point of view again, but really, this letter was to Philemon. And this letter's to us. So I pray, Lord, that we would take what you have done in our lives. The fact that if you have done that work and we have trusted you as savior that you have changed us that you should have made us into a a new person in jesus just like we see happening to onesimus just like we understand uh philemon did in responding to the gospel the good news of jesus and all of this lord i pray that this will result in a real life real time application of the character that you want us to have. Yes, I, I, I have to admit, I, I wish I knew the end of the story, the rest of the story. But Lord, I, I believe that we can really do what Paul did and the fact that he, he trusted what Philemon would do because of his character. And Father, I I pray that that's something that, as you look at us, as you look at your followers today, you have entrusted to us a wonderful ministry. Lord, I pray that we can be ones that you look to and say, I trust you to do what I've given you to do. Father, we know that part of that is developing that character in Jesus. We can't do that alone, and so we ask that you'll work. We're always going to have some rough edges to knock off, and that's part of being together. But Lord, I pray that even as you you told another church that as they were known for their love, you still encourage them to love more and more. We know that's not just a, a warm, fuzzy feeling. We discussed that last week. Lord, we we know that we need to do something. Do something with which you've entrusted to us. And we thank you for each person here, for each person that we can partner with in serving you and helping one another bring glory to Jesus Christ. We thank you for the privilege of being called your children And we ask, Lord, that as we work together, that we would really apply that others-oriented love, that selfless attitude, that we would be a comfort to one another, be a help to one another, help bind up some of those wounds that we get hit with out in the world, help relieve some of those cares, pray for one another. In all this, Lord, we ask in humility that you'd use us and that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen.